Welcome to Daily Dose of Dr. Mary and Dee. I'm Maz Mary, And I'm Dana DelVal. Whether you're a person on an addiction sobriety path, or you know someone who is, we're here to talk about our journey with it. And more importantly, we want to help end the stigma and shame of alcoholism. And we want to bring some hope and laughter along the way too. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. Happy sunny Thursday from Fargo, North Dakota. How are you? I'm good. It's sunny. It is. And windy as hell. Yeah, you can't Holy tell because there isn't a cloud in the sky, but it's very yeah. windy. Like uh, Dorothy and the beginning of The Wizard of Oz, windy. It's amazing. If it were hotter, we would definitely be in a tornado. It's crazy. But, you know, it's not snowing. So there's that. We are very excited. You know, we've been doing this training with Dr. Adi Jaffe around Ignited Recovery, and we're doing it with another woman, Dr. Sherry Price, who's joining us. So let's bring her on and get right to Sherry's story. I can never find my mouse out here. It's so bright. <laughs> Hi, Sherry. Hey, Hi, guys. Thanks for joining you. us. So good to see you this morning. Nice to see you too. It's quite early for you because you're in Southern California. So thanks for hopping up and, uh, putting on lipstick before 6.30 in the morning. <laughs> Absolutely. My pleasure. It's um, been great to hang out with you guys and get to know you in the Ignited program. And I'm super excited about our discussion today. Yeah. I am too. Yeah. So Sherry, let's jump right into it. Tell us your story from there to here and start and end wherever you want. And then we'll jump into the work that you're doing right now because it's so fascinating. Yeah. So I have a history of over drinking and I would say, um, at its worst, it was normalized to be not bad. I didn't have a rock bottom moment. I didn't have DUIs. I just overdrank on a nightly basis. So that would look like three fourths to a bottle of wine a night, um, with girlfriends, with couples, with just going out date nights. It's, um, and I call it like a habit. I didn't feel quite like an addict because I didn't feel like I needed it right when I got out of bed or I would have the shakes if I didn't drink. So, but it still felt like it was too much. You know, you're waking up or not feeling your optimal um, best or, you know, some nights I'd have a cocktail plus wine and then it would be, oh, what did I say? I'm forgetting conversations. Or I said something that was, not normally how I would say I should have had a filter on in that moment. And I said something a little rude or off and I just wasn't feeling like the woman I wanted to be. Mm. And so this went on for probably eight years before I kind of was like, I want to really cut back and I really want to take this seriously. The problem I had was I was practicing as a pharmacist and I felt I had nowhere to go. If I told my primary care doctor, I was so scared it would be recorded in my medical record and my license would be at risk. And that means my lifeline, you know, my salary, my license, all of that, my career can just go down the tubes. But I didn't feel that I fit in with the stories that I was aware of. Not that I've ever went to an AA meeting, but I just felt like I wasn't that severe. And I kind of felt like I'd be laughed at like, okay, girl. So, so what you drink a little bit. Um, and then if I talked about it with my girlfriends, they would all say, Oh, it's no big deal because they were drinking that much as well. So it felt like a bit of this conundrum of like, all right, I want to cut back. I don't know who to go to for help. Whenever I try on my own, I fail. Um, and, and I really want to rein this in because I know 
my drinking is not very good. You know, when I calculated how many drinks I had on a, a really bender of a week, it was 47 drinks. And I was like, dang, that's a lot of alcohol. So, um, you know, I do the 30 day cleanses or the, you know, dry January, sober Octobers, but they would never really change the habit long-term. You know, they were great for the cleanse. They were great for the break, but then I was right back to drinking the same amount. And I'm like, something's got it. Something's got to change. So I stayed in that space of like, I don't know what to do. I don't know who can help me. I don't even know if cutting back is an option. Mm. I wasn't ready to really fully give it up. Um, maybe because the consequences in my life weren't super bad, right? So I just wasn't really ready to walk away from it. So I went to the internet because that's what we do, right? We're like, where do we go before that? What do you do to cut back? And so I found a coach who can help me um, stop over drinking. And I'm like, well, that's perfect. I wonder if she means stop drinking, but I'll go with stop over drinking. That's the start. And so I started doing her program and her tools and they really started to work. And um, they got me probably drinking 50% less, which was fabulous. Yep. And then I started, you know, kicking around in the addiction world and the alcohol um, world and like really studying it from a habit place. So mm -hmm. reading books on habit formation, how to break habits. And that took me the rest of the way to this place where I say I'm a woman who can take it or leave it with alcohol now. Mm -hmm. And um, since that time, I found that it was such a life transformation for me and what I have learned in this process. And we could get into all that stuff that I was like, I want to do this for other women. This is huge. This is, um, I used to think pills were everything because we live in that kind of yeah. here in the United States, right? If, you know, just if you've got a problem, take a pill for it. If you're depressed, take an antidepressant. You know, if you've got pain, take ibuprofen or whatever. And I used to really be indoctrinated in that for my training. But now I'm like, oh, a lot of that is just symptom suppression. Mm. And what I find the tools that I use really gets at the root cause of why you're doing something. So, you know, alcohol, we just suppress the symptoms. If we're having a bad day and we want to feel a little bit better, we just suppress that. Lam back some wine. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. So I found this to be way more life-changing. And that's why I switched careers and do this for other women. It's fascinating to me how you can change human behavior permanently. Yeah. So how long have you been doing this work with other women, Sherry? Um, about four and a half years now. Yeah. And um, I have a program called Drink Less Lifestyle. So you know, it, it's just really so we're not leaving behind the women that aren't ready to give it up. The people yeah. that really want to look at investigating, can we just cut it back and use it socially? And how does that feel for me? Is that the place I want to be? Um, what are the effects of alcohol? Because we know over time our bodies can't metabolize it. You know, mm -hmm. the negative consequences that come from it. We know too much of it leads to all those diseases, early, early Alzheimer's, early dementia, liver, brain, 13 different types of cancers. Like, but none of that is making us stop, <laughs> right? right? You know, so some people, the scare tactics don't work um, and they didn't work for me, which I was kind of embarrassed by because I'm like, I'm a healthcare practitioner. Why am I not 
you know, taking these statistics seriously. Yeah. Yeah. But um, how many doctors are overweight or smoke. Exactly. You know, I mean, I, it's a, it's one of those great paradigms of sometimes you can know all the stuff and still mismanage it or still abuse it because it's not really about how smart you are or anything else. It's about the hold that it takes on you. Yeah. I love how you You're said it's not about how smart you are. Well, I yeah. love that because I always used to think I, I did well in school. You know, yeah. I'm successful. I'm smart. Why am I doing this? Like it was such like this oxymoron, and it was it caused a lot of embarrassment for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. One of my most embarrassing moments when I first got sober is I, I sat there and I thought about it. I said, "All right, for about five years, I've been teaching the effects of alcoholism on the human body. What? Why wasn't I listening to myself? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get yeah. it. I'm the He's biology a teacher, right? You know how it's harming the organs and you know how it's harming the body, but it's it's not enough. There's like that disconnect. It's like, why do I know this in my brain, but I'm not practicing it in my life? Yeah, it seems impossible. I mean, it, it just seems impossible. And yet last night I opened a bottle of wine and had a glass of wine, I which is fine. I do that occasionally. And the whole time I was drinking it, I was both thinking, this is so nice. And what in the world are you doing? I mean, it's just, you know, you you think about alcohol differently when you've been up close and personal to either a, a habit that feels like it's controlling you or or something that has definitely moved into an addiction, which it did in our case. So it's really interesting to know all that. I mean, I like I I think I've smoked maybe a grand total of three cigarettes in my life. And two of those would be because I had to smoke on stage as an actor. I it would never in a million years think, you know what? I just feel like a cigarette tonight and start that because the effects of that are so damaging. Mm -hmm. It has been so hammered into us. I'm shocked anytime I see someone smoking actually. Mm -hmm. but, but the effects of alcohol, the positive effects of alcohol have been so much more um, pushed on us. I mean, how many articles do you read about? Oh, actually, it's way better for you if you do drink one glass of red wine a night. Right. Right. Like, and really? Are we really going to stick with that? Right. I, and I, I've, I've had, sorry, I've had all these other things like people, you know, people have been drinking longer than people have been smoking. And then there was someone who I've always... Oh, you mean humans? Yeah, Sorry. humans okay. have. And I always hear people say, well, you know, back in the day, we had to drink alcoholic beverages because the water would kill us. I thought, yes, but now we have water treatment plants. <laughs> right. yep. We also used to so, die of <laughs> things like a scratch from a tree before we had penicillin. We don't just stick with that. Exactly, exactly. Or maybe that was the potent painkiller before we had opioids. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's all true. I mean, some people have argued. I've read a book once that said Western civilization owes it owns its existence to alcohol. Hmm. Because you know, it was uh, it was an antiseptic, it was it does sterilize wounds, it is a painkiller, yes. but you know, yeah, if your option slope. is to have your legs sawed off drunk or sober, I'm going to go with drunk as well. Absolutely. But that is 
yeah. really not our option <laughs> today. Fair enough. We're very fortunate that is not an option. That's an understandable lapse in sobriety yes, right absolutely. there. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so Sherry, let's move to your website. I put the link up. I'll put it up again so that people can be sure and get to it. Drink left, drink less lifestyle.com. First of all, it's such a beautiful looking yes, it is. website. It's um, what I like about it is that it is elegant and not pretentious. So talk, talk about what you're doing in this four and a half year journey that you have been on with other women. Yeah. And I, you know, a lot of times when we get into tough places or addiction, I'll just call myself out on this, right? I had a certain image that would pop into my mind. You know, it's, you're down and out. You're not successful. You know, your family's breaking up. Um, it's the things you learn from the movies or the worst case scenarios, let's just say. Yep. So, but I know so many professionals that are like, I, I do this a little too much and I don't want it to become a problem. So I, I liken it to like, you know, in 2013, the American Diabetes Association came up with this pre-diabetic term. It's mm -hmm. like, let's not wait till somebody's full-blown diabetic or diabetes. Let's catch them early. Let's start monitoring their blood sugars and A1Cs. And I'm like, we need that for alcohol. We need that for so many other conditions, right? Yeah. If we can catch somebody before they have a rock bottom moment or have a devastating event in their life, why aren't we being more preventative. And so I wanted this upscale kind of way so people could be not feeling shame and be like, oh yes, I just wanna improve my life, right? Before it gets worse. Or like, if you start gaining weight, right? Get off those 10 pounds before they turn into 50 pounds, which is much harder. Yes. <laughs> it's much harder because you feel like, goodness, I have so far to go. I have such a big journey ahead of me. And, and I feel that, you know, there's already avenues for, you know, people who've gone far, but there's not really a lot of talk about this space of prevention and um, just curbing it, you know, before it becomes something more devastating. And that's what I wanted. That's the audience I wanted to serve most. I really love that. that. Very interesting. We have a good friend um, who is a retired medical doctor and her husband was a medical doctor and wine just got the better of David and he got pulled over one night and got a DUI and went home and died by suicide. <gasps> yep. And um, Julie has been a guest on our show, which is the only reason I feel very comfortable sharing this. But Julie said that David purposefully sought out AA meetings where he knew he could go in and go, well, I'm not these people. I'm not the rock bottom people. I'm a yeah. doctor. I'm highly functioning. Yeah. I'm intelligent. I have this beautiful affluent life, blah, blah, blah. And I think that it's such a, it's such a way that humans hierarchically stack ourselves so that we can feel better about what we're struggling with. Yes. And it's so damaging. Um, it is so damaging. I yeah, can't tell you how many really nurses pharmacists, doctors, uh, yeah. providers, like people who feel like they're always there to care for others. Mm -hmm. And, and that's a wonderful role, but when you can't care for yourself and feel like it's safe to care for yourself, right? Cause mm -hmm. his medical license might've been on the line. You know, right. I know some right. doctors when they get higher up the like, um, department heads and stuff like that, uh, 
they do background checks on, are they going to see a mental health professional? Because if so, you might get pulled from these high ranking positions. And so if you can't see somebody and you're being monitored, how else are you going to get help? Absolutely. And that's why I wanted, you know, there's no trace of things when people work with me. Everything's confidential, private. You don't have to come to a group meeting and announce a label about yourself if labeling doesn't feel good. Like it just doesn't have to take on certain forms. We can we can customize it in a way that you get the support you need without all the extra stuff to fit in or, you know, be a part of something that doesn't feel safe to you, safe to your profession, safe to your livelihood. Right. Um, so I'm Oh, go so ahead. You're almost providing a safe space for professionals. Exactly. Exactly. And, and sometimes you don't even know, like, do I want to cut back? Is this really bad? Can I just talk about this in a way that I won't feel judged? You need a place where you can go and ask and someone isn't going to. Yeah you're not going to accidentally cross into someone saying you do have a problem and now we've noted it and you're going to pay the price for even questioning it. Yeah. It's really smart. Um, I'm curious to know, and I'm not trying to call out your friends from your previous life, but how have your friends managed you in their lives since you have done this work and since you are doing this work? Cause I'll tell you sort of my story after you tell us yours. Yeah, I love that question. That's so good. I was so afraid. Like, it, I was so afraid when I even launched my website. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can, if I wanted to go back to pharmacy, I probably never can. And I'm having tears, right? And I'm like, am I doing the right thing? I was like praying a lot in my life at that point. Cause I'm like, this is huge. This is like, it, I didn't share this about me, but I have this like way I, I just like things perfect. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and, and, and so if my image isn't perfect. If this isn't perfect, does that mean I'm a terrible person or will people like me? It's that like, I'm not going to be loved anymore kind of uh, way. And so I know I went to my family and my immediate family and my birth family and saying, Hey, this is what I'm going to do. Do you support me? Will I bring shame to the family? Cause you know, that's something I'm risking too, is, is their reputation potentially Yep. You know, there's such a stigma around if you hurt in this way and you you use substances in this way. So when I started talking about it with my friends, um, I will say I got invited to less parties initially. They thought I was like done drinking and then I was not going to be fun and having me around was going to be like a wet diaper. Yeah. Um, and that I had to be okay with, you know, I'm just like, this is my journey. This is, I'm exploring this. Um, but over time, um, you know, I'd see them out and I wasn't judging there. And I think that's what they were afraid of. Like for somehow, you know, not only would I bring the party down or the party vibe down, but somehow I'd be judging them. And I just kept showing up at, you know, in our interactions outside of their parties, like, Hey, this is who I am. Hey, how'd that party go? Mm -hmm. Just really interested in them. Um, and I didn't want to make it about the alcohol. I didn't want that to be something that severed a relationship if it didn't have to. Yeah. Right. And I will say most of my friends were fine once they realized I wasn't trying to convert them or change them or judge them. And I just said, Hey, I just want to be a healthier version of myself. Yeah. And they were like, Oh, well, yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. That sounds good. And it's, Funny because now some of them love having me around because they know I'm kind of vocal about 
oh, I'll just have one tonight and I'm done. And I'm going to choose to have it at eight o'clock, you know, or the next round or whatever. And I'm just very open and matter of fact about it. And they're like, yeah, I'll do what she's doing. You know, mm -hmm. when they're a little still trying to decide what alcohol feel, you know, what the relationship is that they want and how it would feel to have water first, then a glass of wine or start later, or just, just to consider doing it a little differently. And so I love now that I feel I could be an example for other women to kind of explore that for themselves. But it took a while. It wasn't like, oh, Sherry, this is great. I'm so glad you're doing this. <laughs> you know, I, I'm imagining you sitting with a group of professional women and I'm imagining everyone's got their wine bottle and they're talking about how they need to lose weight and how busy they are and how stressed they are and how they drink way too much ha, 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 as they're just chugging back the wine. Yeah. And it's, again, it's such a like there's really no other thing in our life that we do this ever. People, I don't think, gather around donuts and talk about how fat they feel. You know, If you're eating the donut, you're not talking about it. Exactly. So wine is a really interesting gate opener and gate keeper. Yeah. And just think about all the memes and social media where we like showcase it. We're like cheersing yes. and smiling with it. It's like, it's almost like this accessory, right? It's like, look Absolutely. at me. I, yeah. I'm elevated or I have a champagne glass. This makes me enter this segment of society and gives me a social standing. Yeah. Um, and I think we we use it as an accessory. You know, yes. it's almost like a luxury handbag or, <laughs> you Absolutely know what I mean? It is. It's what? like, I fit into this part of society and I'm proud of it. And look at me in these pictures. And that's, I don't want to judge, right? I used to be there. I definitely used to be there. But I feel that way now when people hold the champagne glass and I'm holding water. And I'm like, here I am. Yeah. You know, I get yeah. to enjoy fine life and fine dining and I get to drink Brilliant. water. This is amazing. Yeah. yeah, I noticed the same thing when I got sober. There was, there's uh, Blue Label Johnny Walker, which you know, really expensive whiskey. They did this whole advertising campaign with Jude Law and some famous French guy who I can't remember. And it was just, I don't know the best word. So sexy. It was sexy. Yeah. They used to have sportsman's bets about Jude Law got a dance troupe together to get the other guy to dance. Of course, yeah, there were it's... models dancing behind him. I thought, really? Yeah. Yeah, because started drinking martinis because James Bond did that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I ordered a martini once, thinking, "Well, all right." And then I took I took a drink, and I thought, the, first the, of all, this disgusting. is going to kill me, and second of all, they're I can't terrible. stand this." Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a one, and probably never again in my life. Yeah, because I was talking to a friend of mine. We got to go to the same AA meeting, and he said, "Did you see that at first?" Said, yes. Yeah. He said, well, you like me. Did you buy the plastic bottles because you thought they made less noise? I went, yes, I did, because I thought they made less of a noise. Yeah. yeah. So I bought the cheap plastic bottled whiskey. But we think it's highly sophisticated. And gosh, it is on one hand. It's incredibly expensive. It's elegant. There's beautiful labels, yeah. the color, the way we talk about it. There is a lot of beauty and artistry to alcoholism and appreciating of alcohol appreciation yeah. of it but it just it can quickly as we all know it can cross and that can be wow i drank too much last night that's the first time that's ever happened and it doesn't happen again or it can be this is my new normal and you just it's just valuable i think to have a place where you can go and say i'm sort of scared of where i'm moving 
Yes. So talk about it. Yes. I, I, I'm afraid I actually may know the answer to this question anyway, but I'm going to ask you, um, do you think there's a higher percentage or more recently a higher number of females who have started to realize they're over drinking? hundred percent. Yeah. Because if you look at like, um, I saw some studies come out, the Rand Corporation, I was on the Skim This podcast and they were yep. they had an expert talking about all the latest research coming out of um, the marketing budget of the major alcoholic uh, distributors. Yep. And they are, they have in the last, since 2015, shifted their marketing to the mommy wine culture. Yes. So that's their target market, especially if they make wine or now these hard seltzers are coming out because they just, you know, want to make boating more fun and everything more fun, right? Everything's delivered to have more fun and connection. If you look at all the commercials, what are they doing? They're gathering together for connection and they're always laughing. Um, and even if you look at like cruise commercials, right? There's always the older couple having a glass of wine. Oh, like everything that we're told in marketing is wine is enjoyable it's a pleasure it's a reward you deserve it and it creates connection to the community exactly yeah. and um and then the studies coming out since covid um the amount of over drinking it has skyrocketed way more in women than it has in men and they they're suggesting it's probably due to women had to be um the people that accommodated everybody else they the stepped away from their careers they exactly. stopped, yeah absolutely exactly. they took on like this third shift in incredible ways yeah. and when you said you actually said that when this all started that would happen yeah i mean somebody right. had to somebody had to sacrifice if your children are home you're not leaving your two and four year olds home and there's no daycare there's no preschool someone's got to be there yeah and my neighbor was like they have a kindergarten and a second grader they can't read so yeah. you know the, the the teacher gives assignments on yeah. zoom and, right. and somebody has to hold their hand through it so she had to quit work to be able to you know prioritize her kids education and so she's kind of upset by that and so you and then you're stressed yeah, because this is not what you expected. So at the end of the day, you're like, I just need to take the edge off. Where's my wine? Yeah. Well, not only that, but you're also bored. Yeah. <laughs> we can love our children. I love my child. I know you love your daughter, but I was a stay-at-home mom for a while early in the beginning. That is not the most stimulating job on the planet. No. So I'm not saying all women don't find it appealing, but wow. Yeah. There's only so many times you can read the same children's book before yeah. you think this might be better with a little bit of a shakedown. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 It became a coping mechanism, certainly. Yeah. And the stats have shown that. And I just want to throw out another stat, which I found so uh, shame relieving for me. I don't know how else to say it. it just felt refreshing. It's on the CDC's website. And they say that for people who overdrink, 90% of them wouldn't be categorized in, as an addict yet. 90%. So, you know, when we think about over drinking, a lot of times our mind goes right to the 10% or less yep. that have it really severe or are doing it, you know, to an overextent. Yep. But 90% of people, like, that's what I mean about prevention. Like, let's grab these people and let's, let's shift them back. And, and hopefully we can get that number of addicts down, right? And, and be more preventative. So I, when I saw that, I was like, wow, there is a missed opportunity in our country to reach out to these people and, and to help them. And 
it's hard to because wine is glamorized and stick or alcohol glamorized and stigmatized. Yes. Right? It's yeah. like as long as you can handle it, it's right. fabulous. And if you can't handle it, it's because there's something wrong with you. Exactly. Yeah. And Absolutely. so it's a mixed message. I've only seen two examples of where there's a little chink in that. So there might be a little break in the dam. Heineken Zero, or maybe not Heineken Zero, but a very intelligent ad company have made an advert for normalizing non-alcoholic beer. Mm, and it's, it's a great ad. It's brilliant. And the only other thing I've ever seen is the, the Australian Grand Prix car rates. The one that was held in Melbourne early this year, their advertising campaign was to respell uh, Melbourne with the zero zero from Heineken in the middle of it. And every billboard during that race was only for Heineken zero zero. Hmm. That's, and I, I see it sometimes at a soccer match on the advertising by the, yeah. by the pitch. Yeah. But that's the only time I've seen an advert for something that's not alcoholic. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, what do you think about non-alcoholic options? I'd love to get your guys's take. Mm. I I never really drank beer, so um, I hummed and hard about non-alcoholic beer. I had one person from AA that said, "Hey, it got me through some rough patches when I stopped drinking." He said it, and we had a couple of guests on that say, "Oh, absolutely, it's it's it's." It's it's great. It's not. It, it doesn't make me want to have another beer. So I actually do drink non-alcoholic beer and have a lot of fun. I love non-alcoholic drinks. I wish um, a virgin pina colada didn't have the same calories as cheesecake. Because <laughs> <laughs> I do like virgin pina coladas. Yeah. Um, I was actually relieved. Um, I said to Dana, I was just coming up to about a year sober. And I said to Dee, you know what I miss? I miss when we went out for dinner. We had a pasta dish. I had a glass of white wine. Dana suggested, let's go get some non-alcoholic white wine, which is disgusting. I I was personally relieved it was that bad because I was like, right, I'm done with that. And I haven't thought about it since. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah I, would, I would drink a non-alcoholic beer and I think they've got a good place. Now, mm -hmm. some said, whoa, it's got alcohol in it. I said, mm, it's got the same amount of alcohol as a cooked vegetable does. Yeah. Or, and look at kombucha. Kombucha has alcohol, right? Yeah. I mean, and that's a health drink. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> it's an interesting thing because we've got some friends who one or both are in are in sobriety and there's a real mixed opinion on should you have pretend alcoholic drinks or not? Is it a gateway? Is it just a mask for something else? So what's your take on it? Yeah, I like to really get into... Um, it's not good or bad in my opinion. It's just like, why are you needing this or wanting this? Uh -huh. Truly the taste. What I find a lot of people, um, I like what you said, Mari, is just like looking at this is getting me through a tough time or reducing and I'm still feeling included. If we're using it to still feel like we're connected to people, I just like to challenge that. Like we're connected to people no matter what's in the glass. Yeah. You know, so I think it's the really good point. why are we doing it? And and if we just look at the why, and then we can evaluate if that's just bring it to our awareness. That's why we're doing it. And then if it feels good to you, like, yeah, I want to have it every now and then. It, I like the taste. It does make me feel more included and just challenge that sometimes it's like, okay, can you still feel included or connected if you're drinking water? And a lot of times that'll move people to like, oh yeah, 
So I'll just have it less or reserve it for these certain things. But yeah, you're right. I'm still connecting, even though I'm, there's something yeah. else in my glass. Hmm. Yeah, that mindfulness piece is so valuable is for all of us. So let's look at our question from John Z. I can only imagine what most people go through when they actually do have a problem with an addiction as I encounter people questioning my decisions when I go out and choose not to drink. Mm. It's like people feel insecure when you choose your own path and don't do as others are doing around you. Great information here. Thanks for watching in that comment, John. You're right. Yeah. How many times, because you're, I think you're younger than we are. So when you quit drinking, did people initially wonder if you were pregnant? Because <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I got asked that a lot when I, when Maz first got sober and I really wasn't drinking anywhere. You know, I think I was 44 or something. I was not pregnant. Well, it can happen, right. right. too. And, and so a lot of women, when they when they, we work together, they're like, oh, you know, if they're young or in they'll yep. say, oh, I'm worried that they'll think I'm pregnant and how will I handle that? So I just say I'm on antibiotics or I offer to drive like they look for all these other avenues, which is not bad. But it's why is it so bad to say I'm not drinking? You know, yep. why is there such judgment on that decision? And we we are a culture that like we food push and we wine push and we alcohol push. Hey, I'm getting around. Um, you're going to have a shot, right? Like, it's like, if you have a shot, the whole, everybody you're with has to have one. Right. You know? So, um, yeah, we have to start looking at, let's not be food pushers and wine pushers. Let's not, you know, do this to others who, who want to make different choices. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Dr. Price, you ex you exude safe space. You must be so successful at welcoming people to receive help. Oh, thank you. I try. I mean, I just know that's what I needed. I just yeah. so confused for a long time. I'm like, can I cut back? Is it an option? Can can somebody who's walked this path just come and chat with me? Um, because I just felt so much judgment everywhere else or not a safe space to inquire. So um, yeah, I, I really want people to feel like, hey, let's just talk about it. Even if you're not ready to do something, you know, sometimes you just want to explore it first yeah. um, and just get to understand your behavior better. Actually, I was just working with somebody yesterday. It's on my board behind me. It's, it says there's always a why or a goal to all human behavior. There's a why if you have an extra cupcake, there's a why or a goal to having a glass of wine. There's a why or anything that goes down your esophagus or anything that you do, yeah. go to the gym, not go to the gym, yeah. uh, take a nap or whatever we do, there's always a reason. Getting a dog, right? How many people got a dog during COVID? Because they were lonely. They wanted connection. They, you know, there's always a reason or a goal. And I just love to say, hey, let's just explore that so we understand why you have the behavior. We don't yeah. have to judge it. We could just like, hey, what is this? What benefit is this bringing to your life? Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that I think is so interesting about it is let's go back to the dog and the dog example. So some people were lonely and drank. Some people were lonely and ate. Some people were lonely and got a dog. Some people were lonely and found an online community. I mean, you're absolutely right. What has been so interesting to me about Daily Dose is just the theme is alcoholism and addiction, but the, the why behind it is so universal. Why do I wake up and feel anxious? Why do I wake up? Why do I, all the things it's how people deal with it might be different, but that core 
introspection of why. And I guess the question that I would ask, unless you have any last questions, is just how often do you think, and this is just a speculative question, Sherry, but how often do you think people assume they're going to be judged so they don't do anything about it, when in actuality, most people aren't paying any attention to anybody else. You will certainly get the occasional, we're all having a shot, have a shot, you're having a shot, certainly. But on the whole, most people are just paying attention to themselves. So if you're drinking or not drinking, other people aren't actually focusing all that much on you because they're focusing on themselves. Yeah. How often do you think that people you included, went for eight years wishing you could figure something out, afraid that if you brought it up, it would create a a circle of judgment when in actuality, it probably really didn't. And set aside the professional ramifications because that is a very fair concern. Yeah, absolutely. And I mentioned, um, for me, it was this one group of friends that partied all the time. Like, we would, you know, rent a limo and go out to the wineries here in Southern California. That's like a 45 minute drive. Like it's like, it's what you do for the weekend or just to go and have fun. It's how we rang in our 40th birthdays or whatever. Right. Um, So it's such the culture of the group of that certain group of friends. And so that I felt I was judged, right. They stopped inviting, they pulled back a bit, but I'll tell you the rest of my friends, they didn't care. They're like, Hey, you want to meet up for happy hour? And I'm like, yeah. And I wouldn't get wine or alcohol, but I'd meet them up. You know, it's like I could drink something else. And it was more about me becoming comfortable with that and knowing what to say that didn't feel that I was uh, by me claiming who I wanted to be. I wasn't judging their actions. And once I found wording for that to say, hey, yeah, I'll have a sparkling water or yeah, put three limes in my club soda because it tastes better that way. And can you put it in some fancy stemware? Because I do want to feel like I'm, you know, elevated and drinking something more fun than just, you know, a plastic cup or whatever. Um, And the bartender is like, sure, or the waiter, waitress, you know, everybody's accommodating when, when you go to a restaurant, they just want to serve your needs. And if you're happy with sparkling water and club soda and some limes, they'll give it to you. They don't care. And you don't have to feel, you know, it felt awkward for it because it's kind of of like going to Starbucks and learning all the acronyms and and what do I say? And how do I order a latte? Do I say the size first? What, what, what's the parts of pumps and syrup I want in it first? Like how do you, how do you make this flow off the tongue, right? And once I got it to flow off the tongue, it was just so easy. I'm like, why didn't I do this earlier? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I was afraid of how I'd be perceived and all that. Yeah. It's yeah, interesting. If anyone thinks the power of suggestions <laughs> is not real, I'm obsessing about donuts now because they were mentioned. Same for alcohol, I would imagine. I'm a little bit obsessing about donuts too. I wish I hadn't brought them up. <laughs> <laughs> well, quite true. our brains, you know, whatever we expose our brains to, um, sometimes that's what will start to create desire. So I want to leave a tip before we wrap up is... If you're looking to drink less, what I found in my own journey, the more I focused on the alcohol, the harder it was to break up with it. Mm. Because if I'm thinking about it all the time, not buying it, how much am I going to buy at the store? Oh my gosh, which grocery store? Because that lady probably saw me three times this week buying one bottle of Chardonnay. She probably thinks, why don't I go for the six pack store discount? But I come every single day to control, right? 
because I didn't trust myself, right? So I had like all this mental chatter around drinking, even when I wasn't drinking. And the more I thought about it, the more I craved it. Yeah. And so, you know, when you want to drink less, you have to think about, okay, not about the alcohol. How am I going to make my life better? How's my life going to improve? And that really starts helping your brain with that power of suggestion, with that decreasing your own desire for it. I'll just uh, finish with this. If you, if alcohol is not anything you ever think about, think about the boyfriend or girlfriend who broke up with you that you literally woke up thinking about, thought about all day, back in the day before cell phones, watched the phone, willing it to ring, you know, I'm, all those things. The more you thought about it, the A, the better that person became in your mind and B, the worse it got. I mean, that is a self-perpetuating, all-consuming moment. So I think, um, what a great tip. Don't yeah. focus on, I can't drink, I can't drink, I can't drink. Focus on something positive that's, good. that's not related that's to alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, thanks so Thank much you. for joining it's us. It's a delight to meet you in, the, in this great yes. conversation. Yeah. We'll yeah. see you in a couple of hours on uh, yeah. our next <laughs> right. with the Dean. Thank you guys. And thank you for all you do. And, you know, exploring this from so many different perspectives, because I know this helps so many people. So thank you for wow. what you do. Thank, thank you. you. We'll see you soon. See and you everybody soon. else, we will see you on Tuesday. Take Have care. a great weekend. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to Daily Dose of Dr. Mary and DD. If you enjoyed the content and want to learn more, head over to Facebook to Daily Dose Dr. Mary DD. You can find us on YouTube under Dana DelVal. And if you want to get signed up for our weekly newsletter, email me at D-A-Y-N-A at D-A-Y-N-A-D-E-L-V-A-L.com. Have a great day. We hope to see you soon. Bye-bye.